listeners. My name is Veronica Kim, and you are now listening to Unity in Christ. I think there are two significant reasons why we pray to God. First is to let God know of our needs and wants, and second is to know about God's plans for us. In reality, God already knows all that we need and want even before we ask. The problem is that we don't know what God's will is for us or what He has planned for us. From time to time, I see some of my friends praying and asking for the wisdom to know what God wants for them. It's beautiful to see them praying to God for wisdom, to know His plans, and for them to try to obey God's words. But how do we really know what God wants from us or what His plans are for us? How do we know what is from God? and what is not. Wouldn't it be nice if God actually spoke to us in His voice, like He did in the Old Testament? Veronica, make a left here, make a right there. Pick this as your major. This is the man you're going to marry. If God answered all the questions and worries in our lives this way, then it would be easy for us to obey God when we make these difficult life decisions. How do all of you feel about this? If God actually talked to you and gave you the answers to your questions so that you were able to hear Him, would you obey what God tells you to do? I'm sure that all of you would like to hear God's answers. We will be right back to discuss this further after the hymn.
Today, God does not answer our prayers and questions using the actual sound of His voice. God shows us the answers and His will for us through His words in the Bible. However, God does not tell us in detail through the Bible to make a left here or right there, or what to major in, or even who to marry. This is why many of us pray to God for the wisdom to know His will for us. Wouldn't it be nice if the Bible told the answers to all our questions in detail? How do we know the answers to our questions and God's will for us by reading the Bible? The answer is to read the Bible to become closer to God and know who He is. To be more accurate, it is to familiarize ourselves with the characteristics of God. When we know the characteristics of God, we will learn the rules of His kingdom. When we know the rules of His kingdom, we will be able to use those rules to make decisions and live our lives according to God's will. A characteristic of a person describes their personality and their traits. That is how we become closer to God as we study His characteristics. Of course, we cannot learn or know everything when it comes to our Almighty God. But we will at least learn the rules that we must follow in His kingdom. There are many characteristics that describe who God is. His holiness, righteousness, absolute sovereignty, His ability to never change, truthfulness, and His love are only some of His many characteristics. When we study and become familiar with God's characteristics, we begin to know the answers to our problems and our prayers by basing it on God's traits. The most important characteristic of God is that He is holy. God is holy because His absolute goodness and His righteousness. These characteristics set Him apart from evil and immorality. Exodus chapter 15 verse 11 says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? There is no other God like our Holy Father. There is no other God that is worthy to receive glory and praise or that can perform amazing wonders like our Holy God. God is nothing like anything in this world. Our Holy Father has called us out from this world to become holy just like Him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 tells us, You shall be holy, for I am holy. God is teaching us not to be like the world, but to be separate from the worldly things. 
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fly.
to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Coming up next is sermon by Pastor Francis Chan of Cornerstone Church. Today's topic is Grace and the Holy Spirit, Part 2, based on Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Francis. Okay, look, I've broken the law. I've broken God's law. I've broken the commandments. I've broken so many commandments so many times. And it's not from lack of trying. I want to be a good person. I've tried to be a good person, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, right from wrong somehow. And you just, you remember those times when you just do the wrong thing and you're just like, man, it's not like I want to. And you try to tell your kids why you do that. I'm like, I don't know. I I tried, you know, and, and we break the law. Now the Bible says, well, then you're under a curse. Then you need to be punished. Punished not just from your parents. You need to be punished by God. Not punished just by the government, punished from God, your creator, because you rebelled against his law. But then it says that Christ redeemed you. You guys, you understand the word redeemed? You understand what that means? Redeemed. It's like, um, you know, these, uh, these, these water bottles. You know how when you, uh, it, it has a thing that says five cents, you know? The, the redemption value. You ever seen that on a bottle? Five cents redemption value. It's the idea of you're just going to throw this thing in the trash, right? But someone goes, no, 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 no. I'll take that. I want that. And you're like, what are you going to give me? He goes, a nickel. I'm like, all right. There's this whole idea of he's, he's redeeming something. I want that. And, and you understand the picture. This is such a beautiful, beautiful picture in scripture. Because it's this picture that I'm under a curse. I ought to be punished. And Jesus goes, I want him. I want her. I don't, don't throw that away. Don't destroy him. Don't destroy her. I want him. I want her. And I want him. I want her so bad that I'll pay the redemption value. You know what? I know he's supposed to be cursed. I want him so badly, I'll take his curse. Go ahead. Nail me to a tree. Nail me to that cross. Because the Bible says, you know what? This is If, if I hang on a tree, then that's a, a curse from God. And Jesus is saying, man, I wanted you so badly. I want you so badly. And you couldn't save yourself. You can't break in the law. And you were just in for the wrath of God. You were going to be cursed by God. And yet I looked at you and I loved you. And I go, no, I want him. But I want her. So what do I got to do? What do I have to do to redeem that person? What do I have to do to redeem Francis? Because I want to take him home. I love him. I want him. Okay, so that means I have to be cursed by the Father. I have to take the punishment. And the Bible says that's what he does. He comes down because he wanted to redeem you. He says, no, don't, don't, don't destroy him. Don't destroy her. I want them. I want them. I want them. And the Bible says that he took that curse away by becoming a curse himself on that tree. You guys, no one's ever going to love you like that. 
No one's ever going to redeem you like that. And that's the God that we worship. And that's why we're in this room. It's because Jesus Christ redeemed us. He credited righteousness into our account. And if you're going to walk away from a God that's going to give you all of that and redeem you and go to a system where you think, well, I don't want any of that. I'm going to do it myself. Paul's saying, you're insane. You're insane. You know how good it was when you believed and you got the Holy Spirit and he changed your life and you experienced him. Why would you leave that for a system of works that has never worked for anyone was not Abraham's pattern and was not your pattern until someone came and bewitched you, he says, hypnotized you into some crazy teaching. And he closes this section by saying, why Jesus redeemed us? Why did Jesus redeem you? Why did he go after you? Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Why was all of this taking place? All of this is for the benefit of us receiving the Spirit. See, that was always the promise. Was that somehow God would dwell with me, I could have God. And you guys, it's all from faith. It's all just from believing. See, some of you are in this room going, wow, are you serious? I could just be, I, I could just have righteousness. Like God will just look at me right now in an instant and say, totally pure. That just in an instant, he would redeem me. He would take me and I don't have to do this myself. And just for asking, he would put his very spirit inside of me. God would put his spirit inside of me and empower me to do all of these things. And I would notice and I would experience him and everything. He would just give that to me. Absolutely. In fact, the way Jesus puts it and uh, Luke 11, verse 11, it says this. Which of you fathers? OK, OK. Many of you guys are fathers in this room, right? OK, we got dads in this room. OK, he goes, which of you? OK, you guys that are dads, which of you fathers? If your son asks you for a fish like he's hungry, hey, dad, can I have some fish sticks? He says, if your son asks for a fish, which of you would give him a snake instead? Like your kid's hungry and he wants some fish and you find a poison, you find a cobra. And you go, no, die. <laughs> like it, it, it's just like this hyperbole. It's like this ridiculous, you would never do that, right? Okay. And then he says, or, or, or how about if your son asks you for an egg? Are you going to give him a scorpion? You're just going to toss a scorpion in his face? Here, eat this. No, you wouldn't do that. And so then he says, verse 13, he goes, If you, if you then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He goes, what do you think? He goes, you guys are evil human fathers. And if your if your kid asks you for, uh, you know, something to eat, you're not going to kill him. He goes, what kind of father do you think I am? He goes, and if you ask me for the Holy Spirit, don't you think I'm going to give that to you? Because I'm a good father. Just for asking, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Just for asking, I'll just credit to your account, righteousness. Just for asking, I'll redeem you. 
See, that's what this has always been about, about this Father in heaven where we're, we're just shocked by His goodness, His grace. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna put righteousness into my account. You're gonna redeem me and take the curse for me. And then, just for asking, you're gonna put your spirit into me. We ought to read that and go, where do I sign up? And many of us have, and we've experienced them, and it's changed our lives. The Holy Spirit, I just want to remind you in closing, I'm just going to throw some verses on the screen, to remind you what the Holy Spirit does for you. Just in case someone told you, like someone told me, eh, he doesn't really do anything, just know he's there. Oh, no, no, Here's what he does. These are just a few verses. Mark 13, 11. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial... Do not worry beforehand. And then you guys, this is referring to the Christians that uh, that were arrested for their faith. So don't say, oh, I'll break the law so I can experience the Holy Spirit. No, this is, uh, this is about back then when they were put on trial for believing in Jesus. When you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it's not you speaking about the Holy Spirit. Is that cool? That there will actually be times in our life when you just open your mouth and words will come out that weren't from your brain. That they came from the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that we have that ability? Like we're put in a a precarious situation where God wants us to say something and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to put together a speech. You just throw it out. You just say it. The Holy Spirit's going to give you. Has that ever happened to you? You feel like there have been those times? I feel like there's been times when you, you're talking to someone and they're in this situation and you don't even know how in the world. If someone put it on a test and you were supposed to write down what you would say in this situation, you'd have no clue. But suddenly the time comes and something comes out of your mouth. You walk away going, that was good. You know, like, wow, did you hear me? I'm, I'm like Dr. Phil. You know, I'm, I'm just, I, I just, I just knew exactly what to say. That's a bad example. But that's a... You know, but those times when it's like, no, that was supernatural, man. I said things that just blew my own mind. I didn't know I knew that. And, uh, next verse. John fourteen twenty six. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. You know what the Holy Spirit does for you? He's actually going to teach you things. He'll teach you all things, everything you need to know. In fact, there will be times that he'll remind you of something that was taught to you already. Like you'll be in a situation and suddenly you'll remember a verse from when you were a little kid. You're going, wow, I can't believe that popped up right then. Or you'll remember a sermon from, from seven or eight years ago that you thought you slept through. And, and you, you just go, wow, at that moment it all came back. It was just right there. That's supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit. Next verse. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that the Holy Spirit would actually empower you to be a witness for Him? See, because we live in a day and age where anyone who hears typically in America with all the stats and everything else of how many people that, that hate Christianity everything now and the reputation it has, and yet the Bible says, don't worry about that. I'll give you power. So you can look at the world and go, man, it would be impossible to lead someone in America to Christianity because it has such a bad name and everyone's bashing the Christians and everything else. And yet the Bible says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. And I want you to experience this where there are times when you'll explain to people what I explained to you about Christ redeeming you. See, some of you in this room, you didn't believe that coming in here. 
You just looked at Christianity and you just want to throw it all away and say it's a bunch of garbage. And yet when I tell you that God loved you and redeemed you and that he would actually just credit to you righteousness and give you his spirit, there's something about that that resonates with you. There just is. And that's because when I speak through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to be his witness. And I believe that. I believe there's power when I speak. There's times I'm done speaking, I'm going, you know what? That was just all God. Next verse. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, by the Spirit you can put to death the misdeeds of your body. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when the Holy Spirit came into you, suddenly you had power to stop sinning? You, where, where before you tried so many times, I'm going to stop that, I'm going to stop that, I'm going to be a good husband, I'm going to be a good father, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to stop those things, and you couldn't do it, working, working, working. Then the Spirit came into you, and then suddenly it's like, wow, through His power I can actually walk away from these sins that I wrestled with so long. Hopefully you've experienced that. Next verse. Romans 8, 15, 16, you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Okay, this one I can't explain. Okay, I know it's true. And I know that, that somehow inside every fiber of my being screams out that God is my father. There's not this sense of, oh, I'm scared of God. What's he going to do to me? He's going to kill me. What he... No, there, everything in me just screams out that I know, I know that God looks at me as his child. In fact, there's times when I've prayed and I've said to God, God, there's no way you treat everyone this good. There's no way. There's no way. I feel like I'm your only child. Like you listen to everything I pray for and you're just there. You're there and I know you're there. It's a spirit that, that it's an experience where inside of you, you just know you're secure with God. You know you're loved by him. And it says that you're, you're by, by the spirit that's in us, we cry out, Abba, Father. And it's like God's very spirit testifies with our own spirit that we're really children of God. I can't explain that for you. I can't feel that for you. It's just something you know because the Holy Spirit is in you. You know what? I know I'm a child of God. I know he loves me. And it's not because Francis told me. It's not because a Sunday school teacher told you. It's not because a little old lady told you. It's because, no, I just know. I just know. can't even explain it. I am just absolutely sure that my spirit tells me that I'm a child of God. Next verse. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He makes you overflow with hope. Are you overflowing with hope today? Like you just know, even if you're going through a hard time, there's hope. You're never hopeless. You're never like, ah, oh, everything's terrible. Everything's No, there's something inside of you that knows that it's going to get better. I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I'm hurting. I'm crying. This is awful. But I'm overflowing with hope. Next verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's talking about how the Spirit manifests Himself. And how everyone in this room is given a gift. Not just a, a little talent. But a supernatural gift 
for the sake of the common good. That means as you desire to serve the church body, the people you're sitting around, that you have a supernatural ability to do so. Like you're not just another counselor. No, when you counsel someone, it changes their lives. When you encourage someone, it lifts up their whole day. When you teach, there's power. See, and I I believe this when I preach. And that's why I go, you know what, I need to go. I need to go to the body of Christ and preach. Because I believe that something happens. Like God's given me this gift. It's nothing about me. It's just sometimes it just happens. And I walk off the stage going, wow, that's the whole reason why I live. See, that's the way God wants us to live, manifesting his gift. That's not unique with me. That's that's for each of us. To each one is given that. Hopefully you're experiencing that as you serve the body. And then uh, last one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's so many other verses, but I, I want to get this across to you. Because these are things that should happen in your life if the Holy Spirit's in you. And sometimes maybe you didn't know Because no one told you these things ought to happen. And so it's just lack of knowledge. And I just want to bring it to your attention. There's so much more that the Holy Spirit ought to be doing in our lives. But I want us to pray. I want us to pray for these things. Ask for these things. And God says, look, if you ask me to be a person who's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, what am I going to do? Make you this angry, bitter person? Because you as an earthly father would never do that. He goes, I have control over everything. You want to be a loving person? Ask me. Ask me for that. Ask me to make you loving. You're filled with bitterness this morning? And you want to get rid of that? You still hate people from your past? Ask me. Ask my spirit to come into you and change that about you. You addicted to something this morning? Talk to me about it. Ask me, God says. Ask me for that spirit that can put to death, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Let's get that out of you. I'm a good father. I'll get that out of you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make the opposite come true in your life. Do you believe these things? Do you want to be a powerful witness? Ask. Ask. Despite anything you did this week, anything you did in your lifetime, that's what this is about. It's about grace. God saying, I'll redeem you. I saw what you did this week. I saw what you did last year. No one else saw. I saw. But I love you and I want to redeem you from that. And I want to put righteousness into your account.
Now you can find all the programs of Heart and Soul on podcast. You can easily play this week's or past week's programs, or you can even download them to your device just in a few minutes. Try to search for Heart and Soul at your iTunes store now. Following is a program on the Sermon on the Mount. Hello listeners, this is Brian Winston with the Sermon on the Mount. We've been learning about those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are gentle, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We now have four more blessings left in the Beatitudes. We are so blessed since God has promised so many blessings to his people through Jesus Christ. Today we will go over Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, where Jesus tells us, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Other than in the Bible, the word merciful isn't a commonly used word. Merciful means to feel compassion for others. Mercy in Greek means elios, which means pity, compassion, and sympathy. It is translated as benevolence, compassion, love, pity, and more. Mercy is a nature and an attitude of God towards us through an overflow of love. It is not simply just taking pity on us, but God himself tries to understand us by being in our circumstance. What is the most amazing thing that God has done to show us mercy? Yes, that's right. It's the incident that Jesus came to earth as a human. Jesus, who is God, was blameless, but he went through trials and sufferings for us. Therefore, he knows our weakness and gives mercy and helps us. The Bible says in Hebrews 2, verse 18, For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Every time we experience temptations of sin, we can ask Jesus for help because he understands our spiritual weaknesses and is merciful. Why did we receive mercy from God? Before we answer that, I would like to remind us of this passage. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Once again, It may seem that we need to be merciful to others first in order to receive mercy from God. It may sound as if we need to take pity on others as terms or a condition for God to do the same for us. Does this passage really mean that? In Romans chapter 9 verse 15, God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Mercy is not earned through trying, but it is only given by God, who is merciful. Ultimately, we receive mercy from God, not because we did something good, but because He feels merciful towards us through His love. God's people who receive His mercy are merciful to others. It is only possible because we first received mercy from God. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus speaks through a parable about why we need to be merciful and forgive others. In Matthew 18:21, Peter asks Jesus, Lord, 
How often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? In Jewish society, forgiving someone three times is showing enough forgiveness and mercy. Therefore, the seven times that Peter presented is a big generosity. However, Jesus says, not seven times, but seventy times seven, which means to forgive endlessly. Then Jesus speaks in a parable. The parable is one of many parables about heaven that Jesus told his disciples. I am sure you're familiar with the story. A king was trying to settle accounts with his slaves. One, who owed him 10,000 talents, was brought to him, and the king commanded him to repay by selling everything he had. The slave fell to the ground and said, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the king felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellows who owed him a hundred denarii and said, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But the slave was unwilling and threw his fellow in prison until he could pay back what was owed. How would the king feel when he found out? The king summoned him and said, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? The parable ends with the king handing him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed to him. Ten thousand talents is a wage to a slave after about twenty years of work. A hundred denarii is a wage of about five months of work. So it is very little compared to the ten thousand talents. Just as a slave who was released and forgiven the debt with ten thousand talents, we are also forgiven by God with non-repayable debt just because He feels compassion for us. Therefore, God tells us it is reasonable that we feel compassion for others just as he felt compassion for us. Feeling compassion and forgiving others are evidences that we received mercy and forgiveness from God. After Jesus tells the parable, he says in verse 35, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. He is saying that those who are not merciful will be judged. James chapter 2, verse 13 has a similar passage. It says, For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But what is a promised blessing to those who are merciful? Jesus says that they are blessed because they will receive mercy and not the judgment. They will receive mercy that wins over the judgment. Mercy may be the most difficult of the Beatitudes we've studied so far. You might even want to avoid it because it's not easy to feel compassion and forgive someone who you dislike and a person who gives you a hard time. Also, according to the principle of this world, we don't really have to feel compassion and forgive others. However, God's people follow not the world's standards, but the words of God. Just as we talked about in the first week of the Sermon on the Mount, we should be distinguished from the world and be holy. 
Do you remember God's word that says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Luke 6.36 says, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. We should be merciful to others not because they are worth it, but because God felt compassion and forgave us, even though we were not worthy of receiving His forgiveness. I want you to take time and think if there are people you avoid without being merciful. Surely, there will be many non-believers, the poor, the sick, and others who we need to see with God's eyes and feel compassion. If we cannot be merciful to someone when we should be happy and thankful that we were forgiven first by God, then we should think deeply on whether we are truly forgiven. I pray that we forgive others with our hearts, just as our Father did for us. Today, we studied Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, which is about those who are merciful and what they are blessed with. Next time, we will study verse 8. Thank you for listening, and please join me next time as we continue our series with the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah.
these heavy chains and wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed You said God is holy. He is separate from the world and has characteristics that separate him from evil. When we are trying to make an important decision in our lives, we must decide if that decision coincides with worldly traits or if it has even a little to do with evil. God will not tell us the answers to our problems in detail, telling us to make a right or even a left. However, God does teach us about His characteristics. If we are faced with a decision that has one answer that is like a characteristic of God and the other answer that goes against a characteristic of God, then we must decide to choose the path that goes with God. If you are searching for God's will for you, then you must learn about God's characteristics first. The way that we learn all of God's characteristics is through the Bible. Here, you find the evidence to support your decisions and a better understanding of God's will for you. I hope that you all spend the next week learning more about God's traits and characteristics. This ends our Unity in Christ program for today. I hope all of you have a wonderful and blessed week. See you all again next week. Until then, God bless. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your song again Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me Let me be singing when the evening comes Bless the Your home.
Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like Your holy name, bless you, Time has come Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul his holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name Come on, bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. 